0: Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're turning to the book of Luke, chapter number 18, the book of Luke, chapter number 18. I want to preach on this thought from this passage tonight, practicing persistent prayer. Practicing persistent prayer. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as we reverence the reading of God's Word from Luke, chapter number 18 tonight. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor Regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith: and shall not God avenge His own elect, which cry day and night unto Him? Though He hear, though He bear long with them, I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. We preach this three different ways. I've outlined it three different ways, but I feel like this is the way God wants us to go. Practicing persistent prayer. Lord, would you help us to rightly divide the word of truth by the power of the Holy Spirit Would you be our guide and our instructor? Not my opinion nor my ideas. Your leadership, your guidance, sir, we need tonight. Help us, Father, I pray, to have ears to hear what you say unto your servants, what you say unto the church. For this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing with us. You may be seated. When I look in this parable that the Lord has given us I see three things tonight number one there is the purpose determined for this parable the purpose determined you know the Lord has a purpose for everything there's not one thing in your life tonight that he didn't have a purpose for amen you may look and say it's a mystery I don't understand it the timing is all messed up but God has a purpose do you believe that amen so he's speaking a parable teaching that men ought always to pray and not to faint. The word always means to be ready, to be on guard, to be watchful. We're told in 1 Thessalonians five seventeen, pray without ceasing. So we should always be in an attitude of prayer. It is to be in touch or to be in fellowship with God the Father. Prayer ought to be as natural to us as Christians as breathing is to us physically. We must be ready to pray. Preacher Darren, I think I pray too much. No, sir, you cannot pray too much. Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to faint. The word faint, it means to lose heart. It means to become slothful. It is to grow weary. Paul said something about this in the book of Galatians, chapter 6 and verse number 9. He said, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap If we faint not. So the Christian has a choice tonight. We can be watchful to prayer. Or we can be weary in prayer. Jesus says to his disciples. Watch with me. Pray. And he went about a stone's throw away from them. To pray and go on his face before his father. And when he came back. They were asleep. You can be watchful in prayer. Or you can be weary in prayer. Hey friend. How's your prayer life tonight? Amen. Number two, I see the parable being delivered. He delivers this parable. It's about two people. We see an unjust judge, and I believe we see an unsatisfied widow. Let's discuss first the unjust judge. I want to say three things about him. I'm going to use the word peril, P E R I L, the word peril. I want you to see the peril of his perversion. Verse two. This unjust judge, look with me, in the city, he did not fear God and he did not respect man. That's problematic right there automatically. Amen. He's in an important position in life. He's a judge. He has a serious responsibility to uphold the law and to protect people. But he has no concerns regarding God's law. He has no concerns for God's people. Read it again. He feared not God and... He, neither, he did not regard man. I could take the time tonight to read to you about a judge in 2 Chronicles chapter number 19 and to tell you what their characteristics are supposed to be. Let me sum, sum it up and say it like this. A judge is an agent of the Lord to rule and he is to fear God. Amen. And in this, in this decision-making process, he did not fear God and he trod justice Under his feet. He is a man that is not moved by compassion. He is a man that is not moved by pity. He is a man that has no mercy. He is a man that has no love whatsoever for his fellow man. This judge has obviously heard the case of this poor little widow woman who's been wronged, but he cared nothing about her. His was the peril of perversion. He's in it for himself. May I go a little further and say he has the peril of partiality. The the judge heard that woman say in verse 3, she said, avenge me of my adversary. And in verse 4, the Bible says, he would not. I wonder if he was more interested in hearing the cases of the influential. I wonder if he was interested in hearing uh, the cases of the powerful in society. I wonder if he was a judge on the take. I wonder if there was bribery from those that had money to get decisions and to get court cases settled quickly. He had partiality in his life. Thirdly, I think he also had the peril of procrastination. He would not for a while. He continually put her case off. He continued, she would show up, he would put her case out. He would dismiss it. He would would try to get rid of it. He would postpone it. Always push it off. Look what Jesus said in verse 6 about this judge, he said, hear what the unjust judge saith. Jesus called this judge unjust. That means that this man is dishonest. He is corrupt. He is unrighteous. He has no shame. He has no honor. He's wicked and he's comfortable doing so. He has absolutely no remorse whatsoever. What a wicked, unjust man this judge is that sits on the bench. I sure hope we don't have any like that in our society, but I'm afraid we do. I see second of all here in this parable being delivered, this woman, this widow, this we'll call her the unsatisfied widow. Hers, we're not going to name them peril, p-e-r-i-l. We're going to call them Pearl, P-E-A-R-L. Pearl, she has a pearl of prayer. Now, she is in that city, verse three, and she's come to her, the judge, and she says to him, she, it is a petition. It's like a prayer she's making. She's saying to the judge, sir, avenge me of my adversary. As a widow, that means she doesn't have a husband We don't read anything about a son or a daughter. We don't read anything about her father or uncle or a cousin. During this day, did you know that only men came to court proceedings? Women were only there if they had been wronged and were there to plead their case when they had nobody to stand for them. Here's a woman, a widow woman, that has no one in her life to stand with her or for her. This woman is completely powerless. I'm gonna get tore up. She's helpless. She's lowly. She has nobody in her life to pray for her. She has nobody in her life to encourage her to go a little further. She's destitute. She's desperate. She's been defrauded. She is unloved. She is uncared for. She is a stranger. To this judge, yet she went to court, saying, pleading, making petition, avenge me of mine adversary. She made her case to the judge anyway, and no doubt he would put it off. But she'd show right back up the very next day to say it again. Avenge me of mine adversary. We're going to put this off to tomorrow. Avenge me of mine adversary. We're going to put this off to tomorrow. Avenge me of mine adversary. Every single day, she was faithful. At going back to that court to plead her case. I want you to see with me in verse three the pearl of her protection. She says, Avenge me of mine adversary. What is her request? Five simple words. What is your petition tonight? What is your request? God save so and so. Simple request. Just basic words. Now, the Bible would tell us in the book of Exodus that a widow, that is a widow indeed, is to be shown mercy in society. But this judge, without fearing God, with this judge, without fearing man and no respect or regard for man, he shows no mercy whatsoever. The only protector she has is not the law that he's enforcing, not the society But it's God that's taking care of her. I want you to see the pearl of her persistence. Verse 3, avenge me of mine adversary. Verse 4, he would not for a while, but afterward thought within himself, though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her, I underline this, her continual coming she weary me she was without any encouragement from anyone without anyone uplifting her praying for her and without anyone there uh, to to help her along. every single day she was persistent to plead her case and to seek the face of this judge this judge said because this widow troubleth me I will avenge her look lest by her continual coming she Weary me. I looked that word up in the Greek. That word, I looked all these words up, but that word weary me just jumped off the page. It's hoopo piazzo. It means she's striking me with a punch. It is to black my eyes. This woman coming to my court every single day. This little widow woman that has nobody to support her, she's blacking my eyes. She's making me look bad. I always have to put her case off. She has no money to bribe me with. Uh, she has no, no power or position that, that she can can, can you know, try to get advantage with in her situation. So finally he says, this woman is giving me a black eye in society and I think I'm just going to... Uh, grant her justice. I'm going to grant her vindication. I'm going to give a righteous ruling. You know what? Her persistent pleading paid off. She, she did not prevail on the merits of her case. She prevailed on the merits of her persistency. Hallelujah. <laughs> I want say it like this. She didn't lose heart. The judge did. thirdly, and I'm going to be done. I want you to see the promise declared in verses six, seven, and eight. The Lord says to the crowd there that day, hear what the unjust judge saith. I think, wow, I heard what he said. He said, because of her continual coming, she's blackened my eyes, she's wearing me, and I'm just going to go ahead and avenge her and get rid of it. What Jesus is doing, He is contrasting this unjust judge to God, the Father. Verse seven: Shall not God avenge His own elect, which cry day and night unto Him, though He bear along with them? Though He bear along with them, here's what He's saying: If this despicable judge. Would avenge a woman of her adversary, would not God do even more for you? You see, our God is not like this unjust judge. This unjust judge had no love, no mercy, no fear of God, no respect, no regard for his fellow man. But our God, oh, he's loving and he is compassionate, he is gracious and he is merciful. What a God that we serve tonight. How much more will God do for His own? Look what Jesus calls Him His own elect, the chosen of God. How much more will God do for His very own children? Hey, that unjust judge did right for a woman that He didn't care about. That unjust judge did right for a woman because He was bothered but our God would do right for us because he's God and he's merciful. Last week, the preacher, Luke, was in the pulpit preaching out of the book of Luke chapter number 11, a tremendous message on how much more. May we paraphrase it quickly. Look at Luke 11 and in verse number 13. Look with me. Luke 11 verse 13. He says, if ye... Then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Think about it. This, unjudge, this unjust judge could not give good gifts to the children, and he did not regard man. He did not stand for anything righteous or wholesome in his life. But you, you're a parent. You're, you're, a, you're a mama. You're a daddy. You're a grandparent. If your child came and said, give me this or give me that, you would not only give it to them over the course of time, you may even give them more than they asked for. Look again, verse 13. If ye then, being evil, preacher there, I'm not evil, oh, your flesh is corrupt. Yeah. Oh, you, you mash your finger with a hammer sometime. You see what comes out, amen. I'm just, your flesh is corrupt. If ye then, being evil, know how to good, give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit To them that ask Him, I'm going to tell you right now, I want the Holy Spirit of God. I want to learn to preach in the Spirit. I want to pray in the Spirit. I want to live in the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to sing in the Spirit. Amen. We need the Spirit of God. I don't want to go to a church that's tired, worn out, and dead. Amen. I want to go where there's life, where the people say amen, where the preacher shouts hallelujah. Hallelujah where the choir lifts up the praises of God, where they're not sitting there on the promises, but where they're shouting on the promises of God. That's the kind of church I want to be affiliated with. I can't help it. I just get excited. Amen. Look with me at verse number nine. I won't jump ahead of myself, but I'm going to read it while you're there. I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Do you see the anacronym A S-K ask, seek, knock amen now let's go back to our text we're in the book of Luke chapter number 18 the Bible says in verse 17 shall, or verse number 7 shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him though he bear long with them what does that mean preacher there he bears long with them let me tell you something tonight he hears our prayers. That unjust judge heard from that woman every day and was sick and tired of hearing her case. She was making him look bad, showing up. But our God, unlike that unjust judge, He, we don't even have to show up, we just pray. And He hears our prayer requests. You're holding your place here. We're going all the way back to the Old Testament book of Exodus Chapter number three. The children of God, Israel, is in bondage down in Egypt. They've been down there 400 years. Don't you know that over the course of 400 years, there's been a, a, a cry to God for some movement, a cry to God for some help, of relief, of oppression, of affliction, of sorrows. Don't you know the people of God have been crying out? I just want to say tonight, God's heard your prayer, amen. In the book of Exodus chapter 3 and in verse number 7. If you're there, say amen. Amen. And the Lord said, you need to underline this, I have surely seen, he saw, the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. You may be in the middle of some problem tonight. You may say, oh God, don't you see what I'm going through? Honey, may I say to you tonight, he sees you. He knows what you're going through. He knows about your sorrow. He knows about your affliction. He knows about your problems. Amen. He's seen it. He says, and I have heard their cry. By reason of their taskmasters. (laughs) He's heard their cry. He's heard, Lord of God, I feel preaching stern. He's heard their cry. He's heard their prayer. He's heard their petition. Amen. Hey, did you know when you bother God, you don't bother God? And they said to Jesus, who was asleep in the back of the boat, Master, we're in the middle of a storm. Master, carest thou not that we perish Oh, honey, they bothered him. But let me tell you something. You don't bother him when you bother him. Amen. He wants to hear the cry of his children. He wants to hear your prayer in the middle of the storm. He wants to hear the prayer in the middle of your sorrow, in the middle of your problems. He said, I have seen your affliction. I have heard your cry because your taskmasters have been evil. Look with me. For I know their sorrows I underline all these. I have, I have, I know. He says, I know your sorrow. <laughs> oh, glory to God. He knows what breaks your heart. <laughs> he knows about the death in your family. <laughs> He knows about the breakup in your home. He knows about the breakup with your boyfriend, your girlfriend. He knows about the loss of your job. You sit here tonight and you say, well, I'm going to tough it out. Nobody will know. But honey, underneath it all, he knows about your sorrow. He's a man of sorrow and he's acquainted with grief. Say, Well, look with me in verse 8. He said, and I am come down." To deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. He said, I've seen, Lord of God. He said, I've heard their cry. He says, I know their sorrows. Oh, yeah? And he said, i am come down (laughs) to do something about it. Amen. Let me say to you tonight, amen. He's come down to do something about it. Amen. He's filled your heart. He's filled your soul. He's heard your cry. He knows your sorrow. And he's gone do something about it. Don't you listen to the devil he says, oh you didn't God's not heard you. God don't care about you. Listen, that devil's trying to tell me them lies so many times. Man, I'm telling you the whole time my brother's funeral we was riding in the graveyard. That devil man was sitting on my shoulder. We got there in the graveyard. We buried that young man. There's a push of the dirt there and says you're leaving him behind. What? Are you? And I'm telling you I just had to look at the devil turn around and say, listen, I've had enough of your junk. Amen. My brother's not here. Amen. What what we're sowing in dishonor. What we're sowing in corruption is gonna rise again in incorruption. My brother's soul is home in heaven, amen. And one day this body is gonna rise out of this grave. And he's got your loved ones tonight. He knows about your heartbreak. He's got everything well under control. Well, hallelujah to God, amen. Go back with me now. We're going back to our text. Back to the book of Mark, amen. The point here is this, Lord of God. The point is this. God hears your prayer unlike that unjust judge. Many teach, well, this woman, she got her answer because she bothered the judge enough to get her answer. And you'll get your answer if you'll just bother God enough. That's not what I'm saying tonight. I'm trying to say that God is so much more than an unjust judge. If that unjust judge did that for that woman, if you as a father or a mother and your good parents do that for your children, how much more? How, Lord of God, how much sweeter, how much better is God to his children than you and I could be to ours? Oh, I'm thinking about Psalm 103. Help me, Jesus. I'm thinking about Psalm 103. Help me, Lord. Psalm 103, verse number 8. Here we go. Uh, When we talk about the Lord, let's talk about His character. Uh, Let's talk about His uh, reputation. Let's talk about His witness. Let's talk about His testimony. That unjust judge, he didn't regard God. That unjust judge did not respect or regard men. That unjust judge had no love, no mercy, no compassion. Y'all said amen. But our God, look with me. Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, amen. Jehovah, he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, (laughs) nor rewarded us, according to our iniquities. <laughs> Ooh, I can't even see. <laughs> For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. <laughs> How far is heaven? I don't know. It's, it's unmeasurable. His mercy is unmeasurable. <laughs> as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Amen. <laughs> like as a father... Pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Amen. He didn't say north to south. You could go so far north flying an airplane that you could begin to fly south. But if you go east, you'll always go east. And if you go west, you'll always go west. What about that? Thank God for it. Amen. My sins, though the bliss... They are gone, amen. All I did was ask him. I didn't have to go every single day and say, oh, will you forgive my sin? Will you forgive my sin? Will you save my soul? 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 No, honey, he didn't put me off. He didn't push me out. He said, yes, I'll save you. And he saved me there that night. And glory to God, I've been saved ever since, amen. And I've become one of his youngins, amen. I'm just saying to, this, to you tonight, church. Men are always to pray and not to faint. Your God hears your prayers. He knows your sorrows. He knows what you're going through. You can trust Him. Amen. Don't you feel like there's something you've got to do? You've got to hold your right hand up and your left hand out and your left. Listen, it's not something you do other than you just put your faith in Him. Amen. Hallelujah to God. 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Prayer does not wear God out. You can't wear God out. But prayer will build you up. You need to be built up. You need encouragement. You need joy. Pray and seek the face of God. Jesus said in verse 8, I'm almost done. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Will we still be serving him? We will, will we still be seeking his face? When he comes, what will you be doing? When he comes, will you be looking for him? When he comes, will you be ready? Or when he comes, he's gonna find you faint, weary in well-doing, about ready to give up. The point of this parable is this, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Years ago, I came across this story. Roger Sims was discharged from the Army after six faithful years of service. He doesn't have a car, no friends. He's hitchhiking his way home. He'll never forget the date. It was May the 7th. He had a heavy suitcase, and as he carried it, he was tired. He was anxious to take off his Army uniform once and for all. Flashing his thumb for an oncoming car He'd just about given up hope that anybody would pick him up when suddenly a car that passed him, the taillights came on and pulled to the side of the road. Roger knew that it was a black, shiny, expensive car. Had a temporary tag in the back window. Hardly the kind of car that's going to pick up a hitchhiker. But the passenger door opened, and he ran towards the car, opened the back seat, Threw his suitcase in and jumped in and sat down. He thanked the older gentleman for stopping and he slid into the front seat. The older gentleman said, Hello, son. Are you on leave or are you going home for good? He said, Sir, I just got out of the army and I'm going home for the first time in several years. The man said, Well, you're in luck, son, if you're going to Chicago. Roger said, I'm not going quite that far, sir. We live just outside of Chicago. He said, do you live in Chicago, mister? He says, well, I have a business there. My name is Mr. Hanover. After talking about many things as they sped down the road, Roger Sims, that young man that was discharged from the army, he's a Christian and he felt led of the Holy Ghost to witness to this 50-ish apparently very successful businessman about Jesus. He kept putting it off because he thought, if I talk to him about Jesus, if he don't want to hear it, he's going to dump me out on the side of the road and I won't have a way to get home. He got about 30 minutes from his house and he thought, it's now or never, help me, Jesus. Roger cleared his throat. Mr. Hanover, I want to talk to you about something that I believe is very important. He proceeded to tell about Jesus. And the plan of salvation. And he said Mr. Hanover. Are you a Christian? And if you're not. Would you be willing to receive Jesus Christ. As your personal Savior and Lord. Because I believe there's a reason for everything. And there's a reason you stopped. To pick me up. To Roger's astonishment. That shiny black car. Signaled to the right. And pulled to the side of the road. Roger thought dear Lord here it comes. I'm going to be thrown out of the car. But Mr. Hanover looked at him and began to weep and cry. And he said, Son, yes, I do want to accept your Jesus as my personal Savior and (laughs) Lord. He bowed his head, and he thanked Roger for explaining to him the way of salvation. Amen. And he said, Son, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Jesus has saved my soul. He took Roger on to the house, and Mr. Hanover went on down the road (laughs) Five years later, Roger Sims, that young man out of the Army, he's gotten married. He's got a baby boy, and he's got a little business of his own. He's packing his suitcase for a business trip to Chicago. He found a small gold-embossed business card that said Hanover Industries. He's had it for five years. He arrives in Chicago, and he first looks up Hanover Enterprises. Oh, it's a very tall, important building, there in Chicago. He went in and the receptionist, he said, can I see Mr. Hanover? She said, well, you're not going to be able to see him. He says, well, he's an old friend of mine. Said, you're not going to be able to see him. But if you're an old friend, maybe you can see his wife, Mrs. Hanover. A little disappointed, he went back to the lovely office he was escorted to. He found himself facing an elegant gray-haired woman that was sitting at a huge desk in her 50s. She stood up very businesslike, extended her hand, and said, I am aware that you knew my husband. Roger said, Well, uh, he picked me up on May the 7th. I'll never forget it. On my way home from the army. And she says, May the 7th. That anything special happened? Anything unusual on your way home? Roger hesitated. He said, Should I mention giving my witness to Roger or to Mr. Hanover? Maybe there's been a source of contention between this man and his wife. Maybe there's a marital breakup. Maybe there's a separation. But again, he felt prompted to the Lord. He said, Lord, help me now. He said, Mrs. Hanover, I explained to your husband the gospel. And he pulled over to the side of the road and he wept against the steering wheel and he gave his life to Christ on that day, May the 7th. Suddenly, she began to weep and sob uncontrollably. After several minutes, she regained enough composure to explain what had happened. She said, young man, I grew up in a Christian home, but my husband, Mr. Hanover, did not. I prayed for his salvation for years. I believed that God would save him. Roger said, well, ma'am, where is your husband? I'd love to see him. Where's he at, Mrs. Hanover? She said, evidently, on May the 7th, Just after you dropped him off, he wrecked our brand new Cadillac in a horrible car crash and he was killed. He never arrived home. And since that day, I thought and I've always believed that God had not kept his promise that he would save my husband one day. She began to weep uncontrollably and she said, Son, I stopped living for God five years ago because I said God has not kept His word. That God has not kept His promise. And today I found out that God answered my prayer maybe five or ten minutes before my husband left this world. I want to say this to you this evening. Never ever underestimate underestimate what God is going to do for you. Put your faith in Him and (laughs) believe Him to do the unexpected and to do the unimagined, our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. You stand on your feet. God sent His Son, and He's given us His Word here, and He says, "Men ought always to pray and not to faint." Maybe there's somebody here tonight You're going to say Preacher Darren I've been losing heart Preacher Darren I've been getting a little discouraged Preacher Darren I'm starting to have some doubts creeping And tonight Preacher I feel like I need to be refreshed I need to be renewed I need to be rekindled Oh I don't want to give up On the prayers I've offered to God He's able to meet the need tonight Would you come youngins? Would you come? Oh, Preacher Darren, I've asked him a thousand times, and it's not happened yet. You see, time is a big deal to you, but timing is of the Lord. Amen. And in his timing, he's a working it all out for his glory and for your good. And I praise him tonight. Hallelujah. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations. They're pressed firmly into your hand. Lord, like that little widow woman. We are destitute. We are weak and we're unable. But look how much more you blessed us than her. You've given me a wife and children and a church full of brothers and sisters and friends all over to encourage me in my pursuit of walking with God (laughs) thank you for them Lord (laughs) and Lord the devil oh he's leveled the artillery of hell to try to send discouragement and doubt that our God's not able nor does he care but tonight God I reject the devil's counsel I reject his foolish wisdom my God is able You saved my soul, and you walk with me daily, and you encourage my heart. Thank you, God, tonight for hearing my prayer request. God, I pray you'd save the lost. God, I pray you'd heal the sick. God, I pray you'd grow the believer. God, I pray you'd touch this church. Breathe life in her, God. Cause her to live, Lord, and walk with you and triumph with you from victory unto victory. Help us, God, in our life that we would not grow weary and that we would not become faint. But that, God, we would be persistent in our prayer life as men ought always to pray. Touch us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.